before we go into the word, I just uh, I want to pray. Um, one of the privileges of serving the Lord is co-laboring with people you're connected with in the spirit. It's, it's just miraculous. You meet a man and you, you just know. And you meet someone and you know that's not the right one. It works both ways. But uh, I'm privileged to serve the Lord with uh, some other leaders. And uh, some of you would know Pastor Peter Sukahiro. Peter and I, he's been pastoring with me for 17 years, I think. And his wife, Rita, she, um, she's the director of our women's shelter, which is filled with Sudanese refugees. And uh, some of you will know Danny Sayeg. He's an Israeli pastor that saved in the Israeli army, married to Luann, has three beautiful daughters. And um, some of you will know uh, Pastor Yusuf Dakwar. He's an Arab pastor that we're deeply connected with, a spiritual son. And Peter is in Hong Kong right now. Somebody asked me about him. And so is Yusuf. And it's great that Yusuf Dakwar, the Arab that we're so involved with, um, is preaching the gospel, and he takes a public stand against replacement theology as an Arab. So I want to pray for both of them, and I want to pray for Danny, who's watching the flock while we're traveling. And also, we have a new young uh, uh, associate pastor named Vladimir, and he's preaching tomorrow in the morning meeting. So Danny's preaching in the morning meeting, and the morning meeting is our big meeting at the top of the mountain in the worship center, and it's in Hebrew, Arabic, Russian, English, and tongues. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so, Danny, uh, we have a Hebrew language only meeting tomorrow evening, and Danny will be preaching there. So, Lord, I just bring, I bring our team before you. We thank you that this is the, we're in the days of the restoration of all things, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I th thank you, Lord, for the cluster, the team you've put together on Mount Carmel, Lord. I ask you to anoint Peter with health and with a fresh word, a word from the throne room. Uh, Yusuf in, in, Singapore, uh, in uh, Hong Kong, his first time there, give him the word of the Lord from Israel as an Arab pastor, Lord. I pray for Danny, give him the word tomorrow night. I pray for Vladimir, give him the word tomorrow. And Lord, anoint the worship and visit, visit Mount Carmel while we are traveling, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, that you will move the kingdom of God forward on Mount Carmel and Haifa, even as we are traveling to Singapore and Indonesia. So bless the flock there, we pray. In Yeshua, Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Matthew 10, verse beginning with verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me 
is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you how you spoke it to me a couple of hours ago. I thank you how you have confirmed it in the worship and through what Pastor has said and what Karen was praying. So, Lord, open our hearts to embrace your word with meekness that it may bring new life and transformation to each of us here, we pray. In Yeshua, Jesus' wonderful name. I want to talk to you about the sword of separation. Yeshua, Jesus said he came to bring a sword. A sword cuts and separates. And Jesus brought a sword. And of course, in the spirit realm, the sword is the word of God. And I believe in this last days, it has been all since Jesus, of course, was on the planet. But in these last days, I believe he's bringing a sword of separation to his body, to the church, that those that really want to be separated from the garbage of the world and to him, it's on those people that the final glory of the Lord will move in great power. So I believe the Lord is, is speaking I, will bring, I am bringing a sword of separation. Verse 39 says, He who finds his life, it means your soul life in this world. If you're caught up in the things of this world, you know, last night we, I think I'll mention this, uh, we don't watch television, we don't even have a television, but sometimes when we travel, well, I'll flip it on to get some news or something. And I'm usually totally grieved by what BBC says about Israel. But they, they never give Israel a chance to defend themselves. But we, we happened to be flipping um, channels late last night. And this show, American Idol, I had never seen it. I heard about it. And I know it's tremendously popular around the world. And there was this woman who, who had, now she's... Uh, a tremendous singer. She sang this song. I mean, she has a glorious range and so on. And I just saw she had won awards on Broadway and everything. And I thought, man, if God only would get a hold of her, you know. And it was all about worshiping self and fame and money and all that. And I came out of that life, you know. So the Lord wants to separate us from the things of the world that grab our hearts and separate us away from them to Jesus. Now, Jesus came in the flesh. He's divine. He's the Son of God. And he was saying to these people, follow me. I, am, I came to die for you. I came to give you my life, to put my life in you. And most of them wouldn't go with him. It sounded too hard. But it is not hard when you realize the Son of God, the incarnated God-man, is saying to you and me tonight, separate yourself to me. And when you do, 
God opens vistas. God opens destiny. God opens change. God opens newness of life that you will never know about if you hang back and let some of the garbage of the world hang on to you. So he says, I want to bring a sword of separation. We have a good butcher that I go to. His name is Alex. And we eat chicken on Friday night. And I always go get a fresh chicken. And he, we speaking Hebrew. And he wants to know, do I want it cut up? And he knows how to cut that thing. Get little pieces of fat off it. I mean, he is, he really knows how to use a meat cleaver, you know. He cuts that thing up and it's like surgical. And the Lord is saying, I want to cut you, set you free from all of that stuff so you can follow me into my glory. And those are the people he's got, that God is going to use in these last days. <clears throat> so he says, he who finds his life will lose it. But he who, loses, he who loses all that stuff that's not important, all the secondary stuff, and makes him first place in our lives, you'll find your life. And if you don't, you really won't know the highest call on your life. So he's talking about separation here, set apart to him. Now turn to, he I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 4, very famous verse. I, should, I recommend that you uh, memorize it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And God is watching His church. How many in my church are only hearing the word of God but are not doers of the word? James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, lest you deceive yourself. You can hear this word tonight. You can read the word. You can hear people hear it and hear it. You can turn on television, Christian television all over the place. You can hear and hear and hear. And the question is, do you do it? When he says, I hate divorce, why is the divorce rate in the American church the same as in the secular world? Are they doers of the word? Have they come out of the world? Are they really doing the word? We, when we try to help young people, we'll say, you're not doing the word. Well, I don't, I don't like what he did to me. Well, you didn't forgive him. God says, forgive him. Forgive him. Do the word. Don't just read it. So the word of God is live. It's alive. It's living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces between soul and spirit. Your soul is your mind, your intelligence, your feelings, your emotions. God wants your soul to be under the authority of your spirit, which has been connected by the Holy Spirit if you're born again and the Holy Spirit has come into you. So that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, then controls your emotions and tells you what to do. I praise God that many, many years ago, before some of you were born, I was in a restaurant with this lady and the Holy Spirit said, there's your wife. Glory to God. It was the Spirit. I wasn't chasing around New York saying, you're pretty. The Holy Spirit just said, it, it's her. It began in the Spirit. But the, the Word of God cuts between soul and spirit. It pierces the division of soul, it's piercing, it cuts. 
Now, joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. My friends, Jesus came to bring a sword. And the sword he brought is the word of God. In fact, he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus says to us, listen to my words. Hear my words. Let them be embedded in your heart. Walk in them. Walk in them. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. That scripture was just reverberating in my spirit. Karen said part of it up here. Then the pastor starts talking about separation. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Come out. Touch no unclean thing. And I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says El Shaddai. I'm quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. If you don't come out from among them, if you're trapped in the garbage of the world, if you're not a doer of the word, you won't know him as Abba. You won't know him as father. You won't know that you're his son or his daughter. I'll tell you, when you get a revelation, when you get experience that I have a father. Look, when I got saved, my father was dead. I praise God I have a couple of spiritual fathers, but I've got a father. I know the father. I've been to Hong Kong, and I talk about the father's heart, and all the ladies start weeping because they came from China, and they didn't have relationships with their fathers. We have a father, but if you want to know him, you need to come out from what and be separate. Don't be watching American Idol. Once was enough for me. We prayed over it this morning and said, oh, God, get that stuff off. I came out of that stuff. Hallelujah. We don't need an American idol. We don't need an idol. We need Jesus. Amen? We don't need a Singapore idol. I hope you don't have any singer here who's your idol. Praise the Lord. We heard this woman singing the loaves and fishes in the restaurant. May, may she get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there is an end time separation over the word of God. It's as simple as that. God is separating people that call themselves Christians or believers over the word of God. Will you stand on the word of God? For instance, we just heard it about homosexuality. Will you take a stand or won't you? Will you be a doer of the word? What about abortion? 50 million abortions in America. 50 million. The floodgates have just been opened again with this new government. Not to mention the, the homosexual aggressive movement. One time, Karen and I were walking in New York City where we used to live many years ago before we moved to Israel, and homosexuals had taken over that whole neighborhood. We're holding hands, and these people come up and say, you're breeders. You breed children like we're evil with anger. It's an aggressive spirit that wants to change the family. Is the church going to take a stand on it or not? Are you going to be a doer of the word? God is looking at his church. You know, in Israel, we even have a situation where a handful of people, Jewish believers, try to say that Jesus is not divine. Write books about it. Listen, Jesus is divine. You need to take a stand on who this Jesus is. Hallelujah. That's what separates us from all the other religions. 
He's not just a prophet. He's not just a great Jewish man. He's the living son of God. The word of God. The word of God is in a, a battle. And the, ch the Lord is looking at his church saying, where will you stand with me in the last days? Compromise gospels. Oh, my God. Some of the stuff I hear about television, I thank God I don't watch it. Everyone's cheap grace. We're under grace. We're not under law. I profess that I believe in Jesus. Therefore, I can go and sin and do whatever I want because I made a profession of faith. That is not the gospel. That's a false gospel. And the Lord is saying, I am bringing a sword. Compromise gospels. The power of the Holy Spirit. Turn to First uh, Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy, the fourth chapter. Paul knew what was going to happen. It had already started happening in his day. First Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. Now the spirit, this is the spirit of truth. This is the spirit of holiness. This is the spirit of God. This is the third person of, of the Godhead. The spirit, the Holy Spirit says, expressly says, exactly says, in the last days, some will depart from faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. If you don't become a doer of the word, if you don't continue doing the word of God, you need to be careful. You can get deceived. You can get fooled. You can think you're okay when you're not okay. You'll deceive yourself. The enemy is trying to attack the church in the last days. There's a separation. Now, Paul, the apostle, he met Jesus. Hallelujah. On the Damascus road. And that man got separated. He got separated from the law-keeping that he was doing. And some little group of people in, in Israel try to say that Gentiles need to keep the Mosaic law. There's all kinds of garbage out there. Israel, Singapore, on television, all over the wherever we go. You need to be so in love with Jesus, so close to Jesus, that you become a doer of his word. Look, can you imagine when he met those fishermen? And he said to them, quit fishing, let's go. Man, they went with him. They left it. He's the son of God. He says to us tonight, stop embracing stuff from the world and let's go. The son of God is saying it. He's saying it to me, he's saying it to you. When we got sa saved years ago, when we met, we met in a revival where we both got saved and then we got married. I like sports. I played a little sports. I wasn't big enough or fast enough. I was just stupid, I guess. <laughs> but I tried. And uh, so whenever we would have any kind of an issue in our first year of marriage, I would say, uh, I'm watching a football game. So finally, the Lord delivered me from sports, delivered me from television. You know what I did? Yeah, I'll tell you how it happened. The biggest game, the Super Bowl, they call it in America, and uh, the team that I grew up in Washington, D.C., and the Washington team was going to be in the Super Bowl. And when I was a little kid, I used to usher at their games and make a few dollars, and they were terrible. But now they were in the Super Bowl. 
and their coach was a born-again believer. Their quarterback was a black born-again believer, the first one in professional football. There were people all over that team that were, that, were, that were believers. They were baptizing people in jacuzzis and having revival meetings in the locker room. I mean, this was an on-fire, the best football team in America, filled with believers. And they were playing Sunday night on the Super Bowl. Seventy million people going to watch it. My team, Washington, D.C., where I grew up. Lord says, you go to church and listen to David Wilkerson. I went, it's the Super Bowl, Lord. Doug Williams is a believer. He's the first black quarterback. That's a... I, went to, I went to hear David Wilkerson preach. Got convicted as usual when that man preaches. Got delivered from football. Got delivered from television. Now, you don't need to do this. But I took that television set. I put a towel over it. I took a hammer and I broke it, and I threw it out on the street. Now, don't go home and do that unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. Just control your television habit, amen? But listen, I wanted to get separated from that stuff. Now, she and I talk. We don't got nothing to do except pray and seek the Lord and worship the Lord and talk to each other. Hallelujah. We were in transition, and the wave has, has hit our marriage. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, turn. To, I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. I love this verse. Paul speaking, and he says, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Paul realized God separated him from his mother's womb and called him with the holy calling as a Jew to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to Europe, to Asia. But first he got separated from his mother. Now, look at chapter, Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. And look where this took him. He says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Brothers and sisters, he took us to the cross with him, Romans 6 says. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I read that, after I got saved, I went, oh, God, why didn't somebody tell me when I was young? I didn't know about this. I didn't know you could have a crucified life. I didn't know all the old stuff could fall away. I used to do cocaine. I did all kinds, of, and it all fell away. I met the Lord, and I said, take the desire. I hadn't had a drink since I met the Lord. I haven't had a, a desire for alcohol. Or, he just took it all because I said, I don't want it anymore. I want to follow you. I want to be used by you separate me from the garbage of the world and I want to be separated to you more and more and more and all these people would come to Jesus and they'd all start making excuses oh I gotta go uh, you know I gotta go I got married I can't come to the wedding want well, bring your wife I got a new car I gotta go try it you mean you bought a new car a tractor without you know I mean it was some bulls or you know some mules or something 
You didn't even check it before you... They were all making excuses. And the master said, come on, we're going to a wedding. The wedding of the bridegroom. He's coming for his bride. God. Every, every parable he said, there was always separation. There were, ten, there, were, there were ten virgins. Five of them got fresh oil, and five of them ran out, and the door was shut. They couldn't get in. They got separated because they weren't separated to him. He tells the parable of the dragnet. They bring all these fish onto, onto, the, onto the shore, and they sit there, and they start separating them. These ones are in the kingdom. These aren't. The, He's brought the sword of separation. Listen, it's the sword of mercy. It's the sword of love it, to cut you away from the stuff that are keeping you from the fullness of what he has for you. Glory to God. What a gospel this is that Paul preaches. The full gospel is what we need, and we need to be doers of it. Now, having said all that, there's a separation that has come to the church and probably is going to continue and it's over Israel in the church. Anti-Semitism in the church of Jesus Christ who's the lion of the tribe of Judah. I hear it, I run into it. One time my wife and I, <clears throat> when we first moved to Jeru uh, Israel, we lived in Jerusalem before we went to Mount Carmel. We were having a uh, got together with this couple. They were missionaries from America. All I can tell you, it was another spirit. You could pick it up. Brilliant, brilliant missionary. Best college student in his Bible school. And it was this cold heart and cold wind against the Jews. And we're in Israel, sitting there with my Jewish wife. And finally, it comes out, questions the Holocaust. This is a spirit-filled, born-again, brilliant Bible teacher. I heard he changed, praise God. We prayed him out of Israel. We prayed him that he wouldn't contaminate people, Arabs in particular. Brothers and sisters, there is a sword of separation over Israel. Where is the church going to stand? For 1,800 to 1,900 years, when anti-Semitism came into the one new man church of Jews and Gentiles, as described in all the epistles, from Romans all the way through to Timothy, there were Jews and Gentiles in every one of those churches. Just read the book of Acts. He went into a synagogue. He preached the gospel. Some Jews believed. Some got mad. He went next door. He got some Gentiles. He put a church together. He did it everywhere he went. And then they put the Jews out, the Europeans, the Romans. They got rid of the Holy Spirit. The Bible didn't become the, the chief arbiter of, of, of truth. Men did. And they got rid of the Jews. Not only that, they turned against them. Early church fathers, the, great, the greatest of them, John Chrysostom, Ambrose, some of the greatest of them. You should read, it's on the internet, go on John Chrysostom, read the four messages he taught on the Jews. They're pigs, destroy them, kill, you know, burn the synagogues. The Jews who brought the gospel to the Gentiles, 
But now, in these last days, God has brought the Jews back to their land. It is in the word of God from the beginning to the end. And where will the church stand? Will the church stand not for the po politics of Israel or the politics of the Palestinians? Will the church stand on what the word of God says? It's going to get harder and harder and harder. The anti-Semitism in Europe. We go there uh, first week in February. We have this wonderful conference there every year about Israel and, and uh, England. And I love England. And beautiful friends there. Right after we do this conference, one of the major church, spirit-filled churches in London comes out with a three-part message on replacement theology. Not only that, at Christmas time, one of the big churches in London put on anti-Israel musical songs and changed some of the great hymns, some of the great Christian songs to be anti-Israel. In the church, people that are believers. I mean, of course it's happening on television. Of course, Oxford University, they're talking about we want to make this a Jew-free campus. Oxford, the best university in England. We have friends that go there. The girl's Jewish. They're married. He's from India. They're coming to Israel. They said, they don't want me. She's a Even in the youth group, they're, they're youth pastors. I go to Germany. The pastor says, you need to see this. Germany, where six million Jews died in Poland and Germany takes me to a synagogue in the downtown in the city. There's two armed German police men in a police van. 24-7, they guard the synagogue so nobody will come in there and bomb it. Kindergartens, schools, Paris, London, it's happening now. And God is looking at his church and saying, where will you stand? Because I'm bringing a sort of separation. Will you be separated to my purposes for my ancient people in the days that have been prophesied since the days? It goes all the way back to the Song of Moses. Read, read, read Moses, uh, read uh, uh, Genesis, Genesis 32, the Song of Moses. It's, the end is about Jews and Gentiles. It's right there. It goes all the way back to the Torah. So let's look at something here in the Word about Israel for a moment. I'm going to read from Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30. While you turn there, I'm going to read you one other scripture. Just look at me for a moment and listen to this. This is from Peter, the apostle. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm reading verse 19, if you want to put it up there. In 2 Peter 1, 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns 
and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter's, he's, he had just said, I was at the transfiguration with Jesus. I saw the glory. And now he says, just as he finishes saying that, we have the prophetic word made more sure. The prophecies in the Bible, they're empirical. That's a big word that means you can prove it. You have facts to prove it. And it's very, prophecy is very simple. God said it. It was written down. He did it. And you believe it. If God says over 30 times, I have thrown the Jews out of their land. And in the last days, I will bring them back. He means it. And all you have to do is get on an airplane and come to Tel Aviv. It's true. It happened. We live there. I have the soil of Israel between my toes and my sandals. We're back. And we're not leaving because the Jews are going to turn to the Lord and then he's coming back. And you've got to get this in your spirit. It is so simple. And we have the prophetic word confirmed, made more sure. He says it over and over again. And take heed. It is the light in a dark place with all the confusion of what CBC, BCC, CB, who are those people? Those British people, whoever they are. NBC, all of those C's. Get the Bible out and read the Bible. And he says, the morning star, Jesus, will rise in your heart. Woo, glory be to God. Your nation and Israel have had some pretty, pretty good relationships. Praise God. Pray for your government for your sake. Because those that turn and curse Israel, they're going to have a difficult time. History proves it. Okay, Jeremiah 30, verse 10. Therefore, do not fear, O my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return and have rest. No one shall make him afraid. For I am with you, verse 11, says the Lord, to save you. Though I make a full end of all the nations where I scattered you. You see what will happen to nations that where the Jews were scattered and they did terrible things to them? Where's Babylon today? Where's the Syrian empire today? For I am with you, says the Lord, though I make a full end of the nations where I scattered you, yet I will not make a complete end of you, but I will correct you in justice and will not let you go altogether unpunished. Jesus has punishment for the Jewish people who the majority of them rejected him. But when nations go beyond that and they start to do things to the Jews that Yeshua, the Lord, would never do to the Jews, that nation is in trouble. Verse 12, for thus says the Lord, your affliction is, is incurable. Your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause. Oh, church. The wounds of the Jewish people done mostly at the hands of people that call themselves Christians. The wound is incurable. We minister to Holocaust survivors. They weep. They say, if I could only believe in God. But where was he in the Holocaust? 
this whole generation of leaders in Israel, they're all children of the Holocaust. Whether it's Netanyahu or somebody else or Sipi Livni, whoever is the prime minister, they're all children of the Holocaust. They all lost parents and grandparents. They may have different political ideas about things, but they're not going to let anybody fire a nuclear weapon at them. Never again. That's one thing the Jews stand on, never again. When somebody says they're going to wipe us off the map, we've heard it before, but never again. And so their wound is incurable. They even say, our people even say, we can't forgive the Germans. We can go there and we can associate with them, but we can't, it'd be wrong to forgive them. We're part of an organization called Mothers and Fathers, Fathers and Mothers in the Faith from Germany and Israel. And it's, it's wonderful, uh, older, you know, senior leaders and so on. And out of that sprung a, a, a group called Yad Biyad. Yad Biyad in Hebrew means hand in hand. And our youth pastor is involved in that. Our youth pastor is a Jew from Uzbekistan who came off of drugs with us, is on fire for the Lord, and married a German girl that came out to Israel in our building, and it was a Jew and a German being married together. Hallelujah. And if God can rep reconcile Jews and Germans, he can, he can reconcile anybody. And so Yad Bayad, they're leaders. And we just had 25 of the German young people, teenagers, they come to Israel and the Jews go, go there and spend time with them. They stay in each other's homes. They have meetings together. Some of the fathers meet with them and so on. They do activities together. And then they go to Auschwitz and they pair off. And a Jew and a German teenager weep their way through Auschwitz and hear what happened there and forgive each other and bless each other. God is able, like we heard last night. God is able. If you're having stress in some relationship, God is able. Amen? So the Lord says here, their wound is incurable. But if you look down at verse 17, I will restore health to you and heal your wounds. God says, I will heal the wounds of the Jewish nation from what people have done to them. I will heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast. They still do. We hear it in Europe. Why is that nation there? If it only wasn't there, there would be peace in the world. What does that nation have to do with Indonesia? which is the largest nation of that different religion, where we're going, where there's tremendous revival going on. But because they called you an out, outcast, this is, no one, this is Zion, no one seeks you, God says he's going to heal their wounds. My brothers and sisters, if you'll pray for the Jewish people, if you'll pray for the Jews and the Arabs of our land, that God will heal those wounds, he says, he promises, it's the prophetic word made more sure, that he will heal their wounds. And we've seen some come to the Lord, even Holocaust survivors. Praise God. Now, verse 23, Jeremiah 30, 23, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury. You know there's a whirlwind of the Lord in the last days? The whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury, and continuing whirlwind, it will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not return until he has done it and until he has performed the intents of his heart. God says that in the last days, the anger of the Lord will finally be released when the sin has risen enough in nations and I believe democracies 
like America are in big danger because people elect their leaders in a democratic situation. And if they elect people that open the gates to abortion, the abortion epidemic and the homosexual surge that's taking over in the schools that's being taught as a, you know, alternative lifestyle and all the rest of it, places where the people choose their, their own representatives and their own government and vote in people that endorse and governments endorse abominations, they're in trouble with the Lord. It's different where a tyrant runs, runs, runs the country and the people don't have much say about it. But God says there's going to be a whirlwind of his released in the last days. But look, at it, look what he says here. In the latter days, you will consider it. Verse 24. Look at this. Jeremiah wrote this. There were no chapters, okay? This is the flow of the Holy Spirit. He continues and says, At that time, when the judgments fall on nations for their ungodliness, finally, at the end of the age, at that same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. God said it. I believe it. It started to happen, and he's doing it. Now, you can take that for yourself. It's for your family. It's for your nation. But when you do, put it back where you found it, because first of all, it's for Israel. God is going to start taking care of family. We're very involved in this. The last war, Hezbollah is firing all the rockets at us, us in Haifa. We're going from bomb shelter to bomb shelter with food and water and helping people that are terrified, leading them to the Lord, bringing Bibles to them. The Lord is watching over families in Israel. Even when all these judgments fall, he goes on and he says, verse 3, listen to this. This is the heart of the Lord for the Jews and for you. The Lord appeared to me of old, from afar, long ago, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The words that the Holy Spirit uses here, this eternal, never before, never began, never ended love for his people Israel and for those that come into the kingdom of God, like, like the, the believers sitting here in this room. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have drawn you. Why is he doing this? This is about the families of Israel in the last days when the whirlwind is falling. I will build you. You shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tambourines. I love it when my wife dances with her tambourines. We have tambourine dancers on our mountain. Hallelujah. They are Jewish believers, Jewish ver part of the Jewish bride now that are dancing with tambourines. I mean, this is literally, this has happened because the bride, the Jewish bride is coming back to the land in preparation for the bridegroom and Jews and Gentiles will be in the wedding feast together. Hallelujah. This is happening today. They go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. Look at verse seven. For thus says the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob. Shout for Jacob. Sing. We did tonight. Cry out, Lord, save your people, save Singapore, save China, and save Israel. Proclaim. You need to proclaim it. I'm proclaiming it. You need to praise it. You need to pray it. You need to say it. Oh, Lord, save your people. He's waiting to hear the Gentile church say, save the people. The remnant of Israel, behold, I will bring them from the north country. We sat on the porch at our drug rehab during the Gulf War. Saddam Hussein is firing the missiles. 
The mountain is shaking. The Russians are coming from Odessa into the port of Haifa. I'm reading the scripture and I'm weeping. And I said I will bring them from the north. Here they come. We got on a boat and we went to Odessa and helped some of them come back. This scripture is being fulfilled right now. The Ukrainian secret police and the, the border guards and stuff, they took their rings, they took their watches, they took their jewelry, they took any earrings they had, they took their suitcases. They had plastic bags and all their belongings and showed up in Haifa on Mount Carmel. 65% of our congregation are from the former Soviet Union. God said he would do it, and he did it, and he's going to continue doing it. I've seen it. I'm testifying. I'm confirming the prophetic word. It is sure. He said, I'll bring them back to the mountains of Israel. We're back on the mountains of Israel. He said, I'll pour clean water on them. We baptize them. Hallelujah. I'll put my spirit, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And they shall walk in my ways. Not just hear the word, become doers of the word. And even forgive the Germans. Hallelujah. That's what God is doing in Israel. You need to see it. You need to realize it. God is bringing a, a sword of separation. Where is the church that will stand with the ancient covenant people that he has loved all these centuries? Weeping and crying over Jerusalem. And will the Gentiles provoke them to jealousy and pray them into the kingdom of God? Listen, the Jews brought the gospel to the Gentiles. Now it's time for the Gentiles to bring it to the Jews, at least in prayer. Hallelujah. Praise God. I will bring them from the north country, verse 8, and gather them from the ends of the earth, among them the blind and the lame and the woman with child, the one who labors, the child together. A great throng shall return there. I stand up on this big porch we have around our worship center on the top of Mount Carmel. We have these buses that bus immigrants up to the meetings on Shabbat. They'll be happening tomorrow. I stand there sometimes on the porch, and I just weep. So I'm watching this prophecy be full. Here comes... A man limping, here comes a grandmother, here comes a widow, here comes a, a single mom whose husband was an alcoholic and left her. Here come teenagers, and there's Arabs there, and there's Sudanese kids that we've taken in refugee. Israel's taken in 8,000 refugees from Sudan. And what does Europe call us? Apartheid. Well, come to one of our meetings, and you'll wonder where all the Africans came from. Hallelujah. Arabs and Jews and Germans and Russians and... Listen... These scriptures are being fulfilled. It never happened before. This wasn't the Babylonian captivity. This is from all over the world. Jews have come back from a hundred nations. They've come from everywhere. So he goes on and he says, They came with weeping. They shall come with weeping and with supplications I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. I am a father to Israel. Oh, I'll tell you, when a Jew realizes he's the father and has met the son and the son is the way to the father or someone from Iran or, or, or I have to be careful what I'm saying here. But when they find out that God is their father, it is incredible. God is your father, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. And he says, hear the word of the Lord, Singapore. Verse 10. Declared in the islands, declared in Singapore, declared in the islands that are far off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and he will keep him as a shepherd. Hallelujah. Verse 12, they shall come and sing on the heights of Zion. 
on Mount Carmel where we are, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. The wheat, the new wine, the oil, the young, they will be like a well-watered garden. That's why we do all-night praise and worship. We have Arab bands. We have Jewish Hebrew bands. They come from France. They come from Germany. We go all night long. Karen and I go home and go to sleep around 1 o'clock in the morning. Young people take over. It's a well-watered garden of praise, a fountain of praise going up on Mount Carmel, opening the heavens over Haifa, over Galilee. They come all across Galilee just to soak in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, God is bringing a sword of separation in your personal life and in your theology. Will you make Israel important in your spiritual life, in your prayer life? Because it is to Him. Don't get separated and leave them out like the church has done for so many centuries. Be part of this. Oh, be part of this. People come and they weep and they say, I've been praying for the Jews for 30 years. They come from England, old ladies. Oh, God, David, look at this. We prayed for Mount Carmel before there was anything. Oh, it's so wonderful. They believe that they know that their prayers have brought this into existence. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look what it says here. Verse 31. Why is he bringing them back? Praise the Lord. When the Russians came, some of them got automobiles. They couldn't get that in the Soviet Union. They could read Bibles. They couldn't get that in the Soviet Union. But they came. The Lord brought them to meet Jesus. And look what it says here. Chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, of course, this is for every person in the world, every born-again believer. But in its original form, it's for Israel. He cut a new covenant for the Jews. And Judah and Israel are all 12, all 12 tribes. Not according to the covenant I made with your fathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they broke though I was a husband to them. Can you feel the heart of God? He was, he's their husband. He's your husband. But most of them didn't want him. And the Gentiles came in. But now, in this moment, in this time, in this prophetic era that we're in, the husband is saying, Oh, Esther, oh, Hannah, Come home. Come home. I've been waiting for you. It's the heart of God. In the Holocaust, on Christmas Eve, the women, Jewish women, were taken into the gas chambers, stripped. And they were singing, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu. And the Germans, Christians, Lutherans, State Church of Germany, Hitler was quoting Martin Luther. Catholics. What were they what was the church singing on Christmas Eve while the Jews were dying? Silent night. Holy night. What have we put God through? But now, now we're the generation. We see it. 
We see the prophetic word. We can get involved. We can participate. We can prophesy. We can pray it. We can get a hold of God. You pray for the Jews. You bless Israel. You'll be blessed. It ha- it, it's the word of God. Hallelujah. So he goes on and he says, this new covenant. Now look at verse 36. If those ordinances depart from me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. The nation of Israel will stand. It's the word of God. No matter what people do, no matter what armies do, no matter what happens in the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, whatever war it happens to be, no matter what this group is doing, what this nation will stand because the sword of the Lord is a, it separates us from the things of the world. And this is the truth, what the Lord says here. Every nation that's come against them, empires, we just celebrated Passover. The greatest empire in the world in those days, Egypt. Look what happened when they, they tried to stop the Jews. Egypt, the Philistines, the Assyrians, Babylon, Crusaders, the Greeks, the Romans, the Ottomans, Nazis, the Soviet Union, Herod, Hitler, Haman, Hussein, Hezbollah, Hamas. We have a Holocaust survivor who lives next door to us. Her name is Hannah. She doesn't have long to live. She has not accepted the Lord yet. During the, the Hezbollah war, the summer of 2006, I said, Hannah, you want to run down to the bomb shelter when the air raid siren goes off? We didn't have time to get down there because the rockets get, get to us. For, we're 20 miles from Hezbollah. They get there in 60 seconds. So she said, no, I, I'm not going to go down there. She said, I'm going to put my chair here in the hallway because ha- I'll have this wall here and then the wall of my kitchen, the wall of the house. And she said, you know, David, I, thank you, but... Um, you know what, what I feel about it? if Hitler couldn't kill me, Hezbollah won't either. Hallelujah. The nation will stand. Now, let's turn to Revelations chapter 1. The sword of separation. this wave of blessing that's heading this way. Oh, brothers. Oh, sisters. Come out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will be a husband to them, a father to them. If you want to get in this wave of blessing, the Lord is saying, prepare now. Get ready. Get your heart right. Get right with God. Get, out, get that stuff out of your life that shouldn't be there and run after God and catch this wave. Now, when Jesus appears to John on the Isle of Patmos, Revelations chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 17, 16. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. It's the sword of separation. It's the word of God. And his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me. 
Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. Jesus appears to the apostle that laid his head on Jesus' chest when he instituted the new covenant at that Seder meal at Passover time in Jerusalem. John had actually heard the heartbeat of Jesus in the natural. Now he appears to Jesus and a two-edged sword is coming out of his mouth and his eyes are blazing fire. He sees everything. We don't hide anything, but you know what? It's his love. It's his love saying, if you would only love me, it's not hard. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. This covers all of it, the law and the prophets. Can you imagine if I said to my wife in my, in my dramatic voice from Broadway, oh, my dear, I love you with 60% of my heart. Jesus is saying, just love me. Come to me. Spend time with me. Separate yourself. Look at your life right now. Do you spend more time on the Internet or with him? Do you spend more time watching television or on your knees? Do you share your heart with him? Do you listen to him? Do you hear from him? Do you get the word of the Lord? Oh, God, how, I don't know how somebody can live without spending time with him first thing in the morning. I don't get it. She comes running in and says, guess what he just told me? She's got her prayer closet. I got my prayer closet. We get, we hear from God. I need to hear from God. I lead a congregation and do other things. But not only that, I want to hear from him. Early will I seek him, David said. Jesus was seeking the Father early in the morning. They, could, they were sleeping. He's out on the beach. They couldn't even find him. He's talking to Abba. Hallelujah. After ministering to the whole, ta whole town all night long. So he looks at, he's look, he came back to look at his church. And there was the word of God coming out of his mouth. Church, are you doing my word? Are you loving me with your whole heart? And the first church he spoke to was Ephesus. That great revival that Paul had started there. Jews and Gentiles. It, 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 it wrecked the whole economy of the town. All the idol worship stopped. The big statue of Diana was there. Jews and Gentiles together. They went all over Asia. It impacted that whole geographic area. The, what Paul had brought there, the power of the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus comes back to John and says, tell the church at Ephesus. They've done all these works. They've done all these things. But they need to repent because they left their first love. I'll remove the candlestick. That's the presence of God. I've been to churches where the Lord moved years ago. I come back. I remember one time I was crying. Karen said, what is it? I came to see her. I said, he's not there anymore. And they didn't even know it. They were going through the motions. Oh, brother and sister. Hosea says, dig up your fallow ground. Your ground. Fallow ground is Hosea 10, 12. Sow righteousness, reap mercy, and break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is ground that has already been broken up and had a harvest but got hard. Church, this is a word from the Lord. The Lord just gave it to me. Some of you 
you had soft hearts. It was broken up in prayer. You spent time with him. He says, break up the fallow ground. The ground where there was some fruit, break up the fallow ground. Your fallow ground, he says, Hosea says. And he says, I'll send the rain. I'll send the rain of righteousness. I'll send the rain of revival. It's for people that want to get rid of stuff in their hearts so that when the wave comes, you'll catch it. You'll move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, church. Oh, brothers and sisters. Oh, Singaporean church. Let's, let, let's go to Revelations 19. We'll finish here. Revelations 19. The end of verse 10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We've been listening, reading his word tonight. It's the testimony of Jesus about Israel in the last days, about what Paul was saying, what, what Paul brought to Europe, what, what Paul preached. It's the testimony of Jesus. That's the spirit of prophecy. Now look at this prophecy. Now I saw heaven open, verse 11, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew himself. Verse 13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. It is the sword of separation in the last days, in the days of judgment. Have you stood on the Word of God? Have you been walking in the Word of God? I mean, think about it. God gave us His Word. These are the words of the Creator of the universe who says, I love you with an everlasting love. I sent my Son to die for you. Will you walk with me? Will you separate from the stuff that's holding you back from me so we can come into the fullness of a bride, bridal relationship? That's what He's looking for in His church. No spot, no wrinkles, no stains. Just Him. The armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, verse 14, and clean, following, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. There's the sword of separation. It's the word of God. That it should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of and the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he's coming with a sword in his mouth. And he's going to strike the world with it. And he's going to say to his church, did you separate yourself from the world? Did you walk with me? When, were you there when I needed me? Did you feed the poor? Look, the judgments that are coming on America and this whole economic thing, I'm telling you, this could be the church's finest hour. We were in America. We saw all these judgments, the things that are happening there that... Two million people lost their jobs and theaters closing, restaurants and all the rest of it. And we were in three conferences. And let me tell you something. The glory of the Lord was in all three of them. And they were people that care about the poor, that care about the lost, that care about other people. They, these are people involved there that love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbors. This is a chance for the church to shine like never before in great glory, even as the grief of God is, 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 is experienced. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. The sword of separation. 
It's the sword of grace. It's the sword of love. It's the sword of truth. It's the sword of new life. If you ask the Lord, separate me. Go home and read Romans chapter 1. Paul said, I was separated to the gospel. Galatians, he said, I was separated from my mother's womb, but I was separated to the gospel. Be a gospel man. Be a gospel woman. Be separated to the true gospel, the full gospel. And don't leave Israel out. Let's pray. Hallelujah. It's later than you think. Let me say it again. It is later than you think. The time of separation is now. Don't wait. You're young. Many of you, you feel, oh, you know, I don't have to walk after Jesus that closely. Yes, you do. He's looking for people with a heart after him that he can use for your generation. You could impact this whole city, the young people here, the students and the people in the workplace and all the rest of you. And I believe God is going to do it. He's looking for the remnant here in, 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 in Singapore and the wave is coming. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I'm going to ask one thing of you. What is the one thing you know you should be separated from so you can be much more intimate with Jesus. What's the one thing? Just close your eyes and think about it for a moment. Hallelujah. Lord, I ask you to break up the fallow ground of my heart. Clods and hard things that get in there sometimes lack of gratitude not thanking you enough Jesus I'm sorry help me Lord I want to enter your gates with thanksgiving your courts with praise that you might take your word and separate me from the stuff that is keeping me into the fullness of life you died to give me Sanctify my mind. Sanctify my dreams. All the stuff from the past that comes up in dreams. Cut me off from memories of abomination in New York and other places. You pray out of your own heart now. You pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to separate you from whatever the one thing is that's keeping you from a deeper holy connection with Jesus. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will be a father to you. You will be my sons, you will be my daughters, says El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. Unforgiveness, listen. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, tell the Lord you're sorry. Somebody hurt you, go and tell him Forgive them. Just forgive them. Get free of it. Get free of it. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Close your eyes and shut in with Jesus. Sing to him. Sing in your own language. Tell him you love him. We love you. Sing to him. Sing him a love song. Tell him you love him. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus, we love you. Separate us, Lord, to you. Lord, we don't want to be those foolish virgins. We want to be filled with oil, Lord. Oh, God, separate us from the things of this world. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. If there's sin in your life, you just tell him you're sorry. Right now, he'll separate you. He'll set you free. He came to set the captives free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory. This is the gospel of deliverance. It's the gospel of freedom. It's the gospel of the sword of the Spirit that cut, cuts away all the stuff the devil throws at us. We say, be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, set your people free. Set your people free. coming soon, Lord, on a white horse. Your name is the Word of God. Oh, Lord. Lord, we run to you tonight, Lord. God, invade our families. Invade our life. Let there be a Holy Spirit invasion in each one of us, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and fill us again. We are your temple. The Spirit and the Bride. Can you hear them? The, come to the wedding. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, don't let the, the doors shut on any. Let them all come in, Lord. The bride she
Jesus. Worship Him. We're transformed in His presence. We become more like Him. Singapore to pray for Israel, to bless Israel with their prayers.
Listen to me. We're going to pray for Israel. Years ago, we brought in a drug addict, a woman, hardcore heroin addict, hadn't had a shower in weeks, smelled, was almost dead. She said to me, you're not going to make me a Christian. Said, we don't make anybody anything. Jews, you need to believe in your own Messiah. One day she read Jeremiah 31, 31 in a Bible study. Behold, I will cut a new covenant with the house of Judah and the house of Israel. It looked like somebody hit her with a Bible. She went, though I was a husband to you, she started to cry. She said, Yeshua, he's the covenant. He's my Messiah. She got saved. I saw her several years ago. She came up to me. She said, her name is Bracha, means blessing. She said, do you remember me? I said, yeah, yeah. You're Bracha. How are you doing? She said, you remember me? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder how you doing. She said, I'm still walking with Jesus. We were speaking Hebrew. This is my husband. He was an alcoholic. He loved Jesus. These are my two little girls. They love Jesus. Brothers and sisters, God is watching over his word to perform it. Now, let's pray for Israel. And in your prayer time, just add, you know, start with Psalm 122. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Peace means shalom. You can't have shalom unless you know the, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. So you're praying for the salvation of Jerusalem. However you want. Read Jeremiah 31. He says, pray for the remnant of Israel. Pray for the body. We're under tremendous stress. The body of Christ is growing. There's close to 15,000 Jewish believers now. There's more Jews coming to the Lord and more Arabs coming to the Lord than any time since the book of Acts. It's happening now. So we're going to pray for Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's raise up our hands and begin to just lay a hold of God and just lay a hold of His Word. That even in these two nights, we believe that God has revealed His Word through His prophet. The Word of God says, trust in the Lord and believe in the prophets and you shall be established. Let's just begin to just lay a hold of God and believe that He's, he's revealed a part of His heart even to His Gentile church in this hour. That even in this hour, the Lord is calling forth His church. He's calling the forth even right now that indeed that the church will arise and be separated to be joined even unto His heart, to be a part of what He's doing. Oh Lord God, even tonight, Lord, we thank You for the spirit of revelation and of wisdom that has come upon Your people. That indeed, that God, we are indebted, Lord, even to the land of Israel. The gospel was brought to them, even to us, Lord. Father, that God, indeed, You were imprinted even into Your heart. Our hearts, Lord, there's a separation, Lord, that God, that will cause us, Lord, that we will cling to Israel in this hour. In this hour, that God, indeed, that we will bless Israel. Just as God, you say that those who bless Israel, they will be blessed. They that serve Israel, Lord. Father, we come, Lord, we say that, Lord, may you raise up your church, Lord, to be a servant, Lord, to be a blessing, Lord, to the land of Israel, Lord. God, we pray and God, we lift up, Lord. Even the God in your standing in this hour and in this Kairos moment, Lord. God, to know that the very fulfillment of your word, the people that God, you want scattered, you are gathering them. Oh, Lord, you do the ingathering, Lord, that you're bringing about the repentance and the revival, Lord. 
that indeed we want to believe you, Lord, for this mighty breakthrough and the mighty wave of revival that is going to sweep across the land of Israel. That indeed you are faithful to your very word. You are the covenant-keeping God, Lord. Just as God, that Lord indeed, that Lord, that indeed light have come to the Gentile. That Lord, that the fullness of the Gentile, God, you are going to bring about the death, Lord, and the life even unto your very Jewish people, Lord. So Father, we just want to pray that God let us, your church, arise in this hour, Lord. Let faith, Lord, be imparted to us that indeed you are able, Lord. You are able to to perform your very word that God has spoken through the prophets, Lord. So, Father, we come before you, Lord, that God, we are joined, Lord, even tonight, Lord, even with our our, one new man that God, you have promised, Lord, that we are going to believe you, Lord, that God, there is indeed the sword is in this house, Lord. Father, do a deep work, Lord, even in the hearts of your people. We just want to respond to you tonight, Lord. We just want to say that, God, yes, Lord, even in our life, Lord, make Israel, Lord, achieve joy. Make Israel, Lord, a part of even our prayer, Lord, in our life, Lord. So, Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for indeed this is the promise of the Father. This is your word, Lord. We will embrace it, Lord. God, we thank you. We are grateful, Lord, that God, indeed, that you have revealed it even unto us, Lord. We just want to give you the praise and the glory, Lord. Abba vino b'shemayim anachnu modim l'cha. Abohakehelat cornerstone barakohakehelot by Singapore. Tem ochavim l'cha imaruach koshecha. Ani mevakesh b'inkal lishpok aruach akodesh. Al pastor Yon Tuk al kol ha menhagim b'kehelot by Singapore. I pray blessing on this church, on the pastor, his family, the pastors of the other congregations that preach your word in Singapore, the believers in the other congregations, the believers here in Cornerstone, that the call of separation would go out be separated from the stuff of the world and be separated to you, Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Jesus, shine upon your church. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord give you his shalom. Shabbat shalom. It's, it's Saturday, right? It's Saturday, and it, 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 Friday night becomes Shabbat for us. So Shabbat Shalom. Hallelujah. God bless you.